podcast for you. And Drancer, uh, we have to be on our game here. We have to be maybe, uh, you know, we always have a high standard. I think we have to uh, be even better than that. Because it's in times like these that the VIPs, they turn to us. This is sort of cyber therapy for them, if you will. Uh, we're supposed to be that steady guiding <laughs> hand that can make sense of what the hell we saw over uh, the weekend here in Calgary with the Canucks and the uh, many issues and the world seems to be exploding for a lot of Canuck fans after three straight losses. I'm getting people that are sending me links to draft simulators and prospect reports and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Four How games does the lottery the work? <laughs> I know. <laughs> so good. I loved your tweet, by the way. Calming everyone down, being like, at least we have hockey to live and die for again. Yeah. And then the reaction of fans <laughs> being like, fuck that. <laughs> we want to win. I, I know, it. but at this time, um, la- this time last week, we didn't even have eight. It hadn't started playing. So, look, hockey's back. That's a big step in the right direction. Within the framework of that, yeah, there are issues. Absolutely, there are issues for the Canucks, but the world isn't burning. Not yet. No, no, not yet. Um, but it, you know... Has been set aflames. Um, it turns out, J. Pat, it's a lot more fun to watch hockey when the team you root for employs Jacob Markstrom as opposed to when you're shooting against him. Um, that's sort of the big takeaway for me. Uh, that felt kind of vintage Canucks for the Flames last night, right? Like they start out flat, they find their game, they win it on special teams. Jacob Markstrom keeps them in it, right? I mean, that was. That was the 2019-20 Canucks script deployed <laughs> against the Canucks. And and now you can feel for all of Vancouver's opponents last season when you understand just how frustrating it is to watch. Yeah, I laughed at uh, the one tweet that Wyatt included in the armies about uh, what were Levy and Myers doing in front of Markstrom on the Vertanen goal? And then, of course, uh, goals go in on Markstrom when Canuck defensemen are standing in front of him. Uh We've been down that road the last couple of seasons. Obviously, I mean, it was a, that was weird yeah. optics. What what those two guys were doing in front of the net, but hey, whatever it takes. But you're right. Like the most Canuck thing ever was getting shut out by Jacob Markstrom on Saturday oh. night. The problem problem is they're going to see him probably eight more times. I don't know if he'll play every game, yeah. but he probably. I think like, he will. Yeah, I think he will. I mean, There's no back to backs. No, you're right. None of those are back-to-backs, J-Pat. Like, he's, he's, they're going to spend 18% of their season shooting on Jacob Markstrom. It's brutal. So they're going to have to count on a few more deflections and bank jobs off uh, flame defenders to beat him. Because two games and not a clean goal on Markstrom by the Vancouver Canucks. And, and look, the list is long. There are, there are issues with this team. It's early. I don't know how long you say that in a condensed season like this. Well, like, how long do we say, oh, Travis Hamannick hadn't played in a year? It's kind of looking like that, but it's four games in, and he's been part of the problem. Alex Edler, uh, the two of them together on the penalty kill is a massive issue, along with Jay Beagle. Uh, the discipline is uh, insanely bad right now. Like, when you can't kill penalties, don't take them in the first place. And yet the Canucks, uh, as Travis Green said, kicking themselves in the foot... <laughs> I'm not quite sure. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I, think they're, I think they're kicking themselves in other places, to be perfectly honest with yeah. you. But, uh, <laughs> you know, what a caustic combination of a power play that's over and a penalty kill that just can't keep pucks out of the net. Yeah. And, I mean, when you look at the five-on-five five game, I mean, there's stuff to iron out. The Canucks are giving up too many high-quality chances, and they're not generating enough, which means their expected goals look pretty bad. 
but their overall control based on shot attempt differential looks fine, like looks pretty good, partly because the bottom six has held better than uh, I think we'd have expected and probably better than is sustainable uh, over the course of this 56-game season. Of course, we're going to see so much more control, I'm sure, from that top line. And obviously the Pedersen things become a big big story locally, and we'll unpack it a bit, but um, you know we're going to see more from that top line. They're too good to figure it out. They're too good to be you know, spending this much time without the puck. Uh, The fact remains, though, that, yeah, I mean, it is special teams that's killing this club. And and look, I think their power play's fine. I I think their power play's fine. It's had a rush of bad finishing luck. Uh, They're going to be fine. They're going to be elite, actually. They're going to be really, really good, really, really lethal, five on four, this season, even though they haven't gotten off to that kind of lethal start thus far. Uh, The penalty kill, though, I don't know, man. I don't know that... Like, I look at those numbers and, you know, Travis Green said that he thought the penalty kill took a step forward against Calgary, right? When they only allowed two goals on uh, Monday night. And that's an easy one to sort of laugh at. But the fact of the matter is, is that, like, from an underlying numbers perspective, like, they were looking awful after three games. And now they're just looking merely below average. Um, So he's not wrong in terms of what they gave up. (laughs) It's just that, man, there has to be the bottom line of preventing goals. And, you know, when you see Matthew Kachuk do what he did with the Tyler Myers hit, when you see what Sean Monaghan did, and that was a bad play by Patterson. That was a bad slash. He got fined today, uh, as he should have. But, you know, Monaghan made sure that the refs sure. saw it, yeah. right? Uh, that's going to happen when you can't kill a penalty. Like, do you want, you want your opponent to stop diving? Kill a damn penalty. And until then, you know, it is what it is. Like, that's how teams are going to play the Canucks. I'd expect we'll see more of that from the Habs. Um, it's going to be an uphill climb based on the whistles, because when you can't kill a penalty, teams look to get every power play they can against you. And I mean, <laughs> the special teams so far have sabotaged the Canucks, and the one sort of positive that I can see is, you know, that at the very least, they're, they're, they're kind of in this together. It's not like, oh, we'd be fine if not for our bottom six, or we'd be fine if not for our bottom defensive pair, or we'd be fine if our stars just got going. Like, it's kind of everything all at once. Um, and, and there's a, there's this quiet positive there, which is that you, you just kind of need to figure it out together as a team. Uh, and that'll be their challenge here. Let me just dig in on the penalty kill a little bit because mm-hmm. like I'm with you, the proof of concept is there for the power play. I mean, fourth best in the NHL by percentage, second in goals last year, best in goal differential, yep. right? Like Miller's yep. back. The power play will get there. 0 for 15 is inexcusable and it has hurt them. The power play will get there. Penalty kill last year was 16th in the NHL. Dead center in a 31-team league. 80.5%. Travis Green, three years as the head coach. The best his penalty kill has been is 11th. That was his second season on the job. And then last year, it dropped to 16th. In the playoffs against Vegas, Golden Knights scored a power play goal in five of the seven games, including Shea Theodore breaking the scoreless tie in Game 7. That was the, the dagger goal. So... Mm-hmm. You know, power play, playoffs are a bit of a matchup. It's the same opponent night after night, uh, whatever. It's the same penalty killers for the Canucks, and they weren't getting the job done against the Golden Knights. Then Markstrom and Tanev fly to Calgary, and Hamnick was supposed to. I mean, he led the Flames in, in shorthanded ice time last year. Like, he was supposed to be a Tanev yeah. he's, a, he's a really good penalty killer. And maybe he'll get there. But he he's is not, a really but, good penalty okay, killer. Okay, and maybe he'll get there, but he's not there yet. Yeah. Because he and no, Edler, he and Edler have been on the ice for six of the seven goals. Like together, that pairing right yeah. now, that's not working. Beagle's been on for five of the seven goals. So 
you know, all these guys are among the older players that the Canucks have. We talked about that, the need to integrate youth into the penalty kill, and so far they haven't done that. I mean, Mott's the only relatively young penalty killer they've got, and that doesn't include Louis, who hasn't played yet, but might find his way in just simply uh, to help shore up that area of the hockey club. But but where I think the power play can and should be good for many years with this core group, like, we may be watching. The penalty kill may be in like free fall here in front of our eyes with the personnel that they've got. Like I'm not sure that I've got enough to believe that this group is able to get the job done. And people say, you know, we'll make some changes, like put Louie in and take somebody. Like, But the, the point they keep coming back to, you can't take Beagle out, you can't take Sutter out because they take face-offs. Jay Beagle won three of nine shorthanded faceoffs on Monday night. He's taken more shorthanded faceoffs than anybody in the NHL so far this season. He's seven of 23. He's going at 30% right. shorthanded. The team as a whole has won 10 of their 33 shorthanded faceoffs. Again, 30% as a group. So, like, I don't care if Jay Beagle ever wins another even strength faceoff, he's in this lineup for his face-off prowess and his penalty kill ability, and it starts with winning draws. And he's a good face-off guy, but for whatever reason, shorthanded, he's not winning his part. Now they don't have the puck, and they're just fishing it out of their own net time after time after time after time. And Brandon Sutter didn't win a face-off on Monday night. He took three, and he didn't win a face-off. So, you know, when we talk about guys doing their jobs and it starts with the top end guys. Look, I, I get like Pedersen, they need him. Absolutely, they need him to be better. But within the specialty teams, like if this is the sole thing that's keeping some of these guys in the lineup and they're not getting it done, is it personnel or is it systems? And that's something that the Canucks have to figure out here in a hurry because the penalty kill is sinking them. Yeah. Uh, look, you bring up a lot of good points. One thing that I'd wonder about it, as just like a easy switch would be you know, Hamannick, Edler playing together. There's not a very mobile defender on that. And if you look at the underlying numbers, they're giving up a ton of attempts, just a ton of attempts, but not as many shots, uh, which speaks to me, or not as many unblocked shots anyway, which speaks to me to, you know, Hamannick and Edler doing a decent job in zone. They're fronting shots aggressively. That's a hallmark of the Canucks penalty kill is is the D pop out the way we've seen Chris Tanev do so many times, right, to uh, attack as a shot blocker, the the flanker who's shooting. Um, it suggests to me that that's working, but maybe teams are gaining entry too easy. Maybe, maybe it makes sense to split them. Maybe it makes sense to have Hamannick, Schmidt, Edler, Myers. So you've at least got a more mobile defender paired with one of your more defense-oriented guys. Um, the shorthanded face-off percentage, you're always going to lose more shorthanded than you win overall, right? Like shorthanded face-off percentage is always a little bit lower yeah. um, than overall. But but Beagle tends to do really well in that area. So I'd expect him to be better there. I, I, I But yeah, I mean, it's a big part of what's going on uh, and what's going wrong. And, and another big part of it is just raw volume. Like the Canucks power play was fourth in conversion rate, as as we've said, right? But first in goal differential. You, you mentioned those stats just the other, uh, you know, in your in your last comment. The reason that the Canucks were the number one in goal differential is that they drew penalties at the second best rate on a per game basis in the NHL. Only Colorado was better, right? And if you go and look at times shorthanded last season, right, the Canucks were, you know, they were shorthanded more, but they were not shorthanded a crazy amount. They were shorthanded like the seventh most, eighth most, uh, but manageable. 
and and certainly manageable when you're also getting the most penalties or the second most penalties in the league. So far this season, they've been shorthanded 5.25 times per game, right? Um, which is the third most in the league to this point. And in terms of their power play opportunities, they're just not drawing them at the same rate either, right? Like we're talking about a team that is, you know, below average in the NHL in terms of the amount of times they're sort of taking or, or drawing penalties. Uh, that raw number, that discipline, that control of the whistle, that focus, which was a hallmark of this club last year, right? The discipline, the ability to generate a differential, not just in terms of goals on the power play, but in terms of raw opportunities. Uh, that matters. That builds up, especially for a team that, you know, leans on their special teams to be special, to be competitive. Uh, the Canucks have too often this season, we've seen it now twice, right? Like two of their losses for me turned on penalties, uh, moments where of undisciplined play. One was for me the Hughes moment where he goes and I think it was Turris, right? It was Turris that he, oh no, Ryan Nuge, Nugent Hopkins. Nuge, he, goes yeah. and, he goes and jumps Ryan Nugent Hopkins after Nugent Hopkins appears to elbow Besser. Uh, the Canucks are down one with a, with a power play in that moment, right? Yeah. Um, McDavid comes out of the box, scores, it, Hughes loses his check, right? Like that for me, that's just a momentary lapse in focus. It's going to happen, especially to a young defender. But nonetheless, that turned the game. You know, instead of being 2-1 or 2-2, you're now looking at a 3-1 deficit. Uh, Matthew Kachuk and Myers, right? And the Monaghan, Patterson slash that preceded it. That for me is the game. Like instead of being down after 2-2-1 and having a chance to fight back, it's 3-1 and you're in a real hole, right? Like it's discouraging especially with how you played the opening 20. Uh, they need to find, they need to stop finding ways to lose. They need to retrieve the tactical noose, the ability to, you know, eke things out that they had in the playoffs. Uh, we've heard so much about what that playoff, you know, run means to this team. And yet, you know, through four games, we've seen them play unfocused hockey, right? We've seen them play undisciplined hockey. Uh, that needs to change. That needs to change faster than, you know, any sort of one player factor um, that maybe plays better on talk radio or whatever. But, you know, we're a podcast. We can go at length on, on the real story. And for me, the real story is just an undisciplined lack of focus. And, and they need to retrieve that. And they need to retrieve that despite the frustration and the mounting pressure in this marketplace. I pointed out on Twitter after the game on Monday that the Canucks have been shorthanded 21 times. They've taken the most minor penalties in the NHL. They've played four games mm -hmm. and been shorthanded 21 times. Buffalo Sabres have played three games and have been shorthanded three times. So you can right. play disciplined hockey, uh, but I had to laugh. The, the, I, I got a response to that tweet. Uh, guy doesn't even follow me, but uh, he says, hold up. They haven't even played the same amount of games yet. <laughs> yeah. I think the point is made. Uh, yes, uh, the Sabres are going to take 17 shorthanded. They're going to be shorthanded 17 times in their next game <laughs> to even things up. Uh, yes. Clearly, you know, Sabres went one of their games. They didn't give up a, a power play opportunity. Like, you can play disciplined hockey, and especially when the penalty kill is in a free fall, as it is right now for the Canucks, like, smarten up. Like, you talked about Pedersen getting the stick up. Gaudette with a, you know, he made a decision to run a guy on the end boards. You know, as far away from his own net as possible. Roussel in the third period, an offensive zone penalty. So, you know, those are the things that are preventable. Give your penalty killers uh, a little bit of help and give them a chance and, and get those numbers yeah. down. And you want to believe as uh, the season goes along here that, you know, they will tidy some things up. But 
in a shortened season. Like you just can't dig yourself much more of a hole than they're in right now, especially with a Montreal team that's coming in and Carey Price has owned the Canucks in his time in the league and he'll probably get two of the three starts. And and so we'll see where it goes from there. But, you know, as we reflect back on this two-game set in Calgary since we, we last recorded, you know, not a point for Pedersen. Three straight losses, three games without a point now. His only point remains the assist that bank passed to Besser on opening night. And they're just... Tom, there's just been none of that PD magic that we have seen in each no. of the first two years where you're just left shaking your head and so are his opponents. And I don't know, like the, the vibe around him right now, uh, it's not great, quite frankly. And he was pretty frank, I thought, in his self-assessment last night about the penalty and just the, the state of his game and the team's game. But, um, you know, like there are times when it is just a matter of uh, a bounce here or a bounce there. And and look, the 2-on-0 with Besser, like that had to go in, right? Like that would have given them a 2 nothing lead. Uh, who knows? Maybe it changes the game. Uh, but Besser's got to make a better pass there. And and maybe that is all it takes for Elias Pettersson to sort of get one to change the conversation around him. But it just, to the eye right now, it just, and I know that the underlying numbers and you jump in, but... Back it up, yeah. But to the eye... It just doesn't look right right now. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't had a four-game stretch like this in terms of the underlying numbers in a long, long time. Like, uh, you know, it definitely not since his rookie year. Uh, we never saw an extended stretch like this where he played as many games without the puck. But look, Pedersen is a competitive, a super competitive athlete, right? Like, super competitive. And I don't understand. I know we're in this moment where there's like dueling rants <laughs> on, on the Pedersen thing going around uh, yeah. social media. Um, and then there's a lot of like jumping into white Knight and defend Pedersen. And it's like, I promise you, I promise you Pedersen's tough on himself when he plays well and the team loses, right? Like he'll, he'll be tough on himself when he has three points, but he doesn't play well defensively, right? Like this, that's, that's how this guy is wired. I guarantee you he is not, sort of hearing any criticism of his game and being like, I don't deserve that. I guarantee you he's the harshest critic of his game. Like, we don't need to rush to defend Pedersen. You know, he hasn't played well. Um, He will play better. He's a great player. Like, he's a potentially excellent... He's a potential top player in this league. And that's the standard, right? Like, that's the standard. He hasn't played up to it. He hasn't played up to it. That's okay. He knows that. Um... I mean, it's not okay in terms of what this team needs. Like, they need him to be better, but it's okay in terms of saying it. You know, like, that shouldn't be controversial. I guarantee you he's, he'd be the first to say it. He basically was yesterday. Yeah. And, you know, he doesn't need to be defended here. Like, he doesn't need to be defended. No one's going and saying, like, Pedersen's lost it or, you know, uh, Pedersen's spending too much time on Twitch or we told you going on spitting chicklets was a bad call. Should have done the VanCast. Like... There's no, there's no need to come in and defend Patterson here. Um, well, well, that part's true. He, he's fine. The van cat. Yeah, part. well, that part. I mean, hundred <laughs> percent. But the, I mean, it's fine. Like it's fine. He can be criticized. He should be criticized. He hasn't played well. He'll play better. It's okay. And yet, you know, it is quiet. Like I, I you know, when, when we've seen Patterson at his best, we've seen him make statements. We've seen him do big things to prove a point. Um, he's got a point to prove now, and and hopefully that brings out the edge that I think has been his separating attribute, the thing that's set him apart from some of the other young players in this league. Uh, I don't think we've seen that edge yet. I think we've seen him get frustrated. Um, hopefully that's the start, but that sort of all-competitive, you know, uh, imperious, 
um, aura that hangs off him when he's at his best. He hasn't had that yet. And I suspect it'll come. And honestly, I suspect it might come sooner, uh, not because of the criticism, but because of the fact that he'll be, I'm sure, self-aware enough to assess where his game at, find it wanting, and know that he needs to be better in this Montreal series. I say he does it. You know, look, there were four months off uh, since the Canucks played, and it, 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 like, it's a great market. We know that. We've both worked in it for a while now. The passion runs the deep. But like, what a contrast when you think of where this city was in terms of being on board with the program in the playoff bubble. And it was, you know, it was just, it was cool to have that back. It had been too long. It had been five years. And even if it was summer hockey and it was played before nobody other than you and a few others in the bubble, you know, people were all in. And, and then here we are. And again, it's only four games, but in a 56 game season and with some troubling trends there, like, they have to find a way. Like, what did we say on the podcast? They needed results, we thought, in yes. two of the four games from Alberta, right? Like a win and yeah, well, we, and yeah. something else. Like, a minimum. So they're of, only one point off our pace. Right. And if you remember last year, they went over in Alberta to start the season. They came back two yep. games below 500. And, and then at one point, they were 9 3 and 2. And you've written extensively about quick starts. This is the opposite of that. So this hasn't yep. held true to their usual form, but. Uh, like last year at turn. Now, the schedule was favorable to them and they took full advantage of it and they were led by their, their best players. So all of those things have to, to change here. It's just that in this Canadian division, like if it turns out that you're not matching up very well with the same opponent night after night, like that's going to be an, a massive issue. And clearly the Calgary Flames right now uh, look like, you know, that's going to be a formidable formidable foe for the Canucks with the familiar faces there. Yeah. You know, this Montreal team getting a ton of pub in the early going, lots of money spent in the offseason. They look awfully solid. I don't know that they've got game breakers necessarily, but uh, this is going to be a handful for the Canucks and even Ottawa. I mean, they can't worry about Ottawa, but we've seen that the Senators, you know, early on, but they played the Leafs tough. And, and I don't know that they're going to be as bad as people have made them out to be. I do think that uh, it's going to be a struggle no, for them. Not. But yeah, but this Montreal team... But they're... they're they're going to be like a, they're going to lose a lot of like one goal games. Like they're, they're going to be in it. They're going to be dangerous. If you're off, they will be you. Yeah. And they've got a Kachuk too. So, you, you know, yeah. you're going to be in a battle uh, on a nightly basis because Brady's going to do Brady Kachuk things Let's too. Go. And I, but, and I love, and I love both. <laughs> like, I love the way they play. I love the, I love the antics. I, I just think it's great. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm everybody. I know I saw that on Twitter last night, but uh, I'm not I sure know, every. But it sucks that people. It sucks that so so many people are wrong. Like I know I got it's your, really I, upsetting to me. I got your, <laughs> I got your point, but it, it didn't play too well to yes. a, a Canuck audience. I well, I defended Steve Simmons one night, <laughs> and then and then Matthew Kachuk the next. Um, so tune in to tune into my Twitter feed on Tuesday night, Vancouver, when I defend Dan Murphy's chambray shirt from the uh, <laughs> constructions commercials. <laughs> Unpopular takes, baby. Let's go. How many buttons were... He was like three buttons <laughs> down, I think. <laughs> oh, he, lo he looks so good. <laughs> Look, we've sat here. We've tried to address the issues. I mean, are there things that you have liked four games into the season from the Canucks? Quinn Hughes? I think Quinn Hughes is... In moments. Looking so. like... Yeah, I th no, I think overall. I think Quinn Hughes is looking like he's... Not in stride yet, but finding, gearing up 
into a new gear um, that might be a little higher. I've liked Nate Schmidt. I think Nate Schmidt. I've seen what Nate Schmidt can do, even though the Canucks like. The thing is, is that I've seen what Nate Schmidt can do now in uh, two thirds of the ice. It's just the Canucks have been so bad, especially their top players at generating much in the final third, <laughs> like at the pointy end of the stick, that uh, that it's kind of neutered. You know, some of the some of the good work I'm seeing from from Hughes and, and Schmidt from the Canucks' transitional defenders. Um, I like that Tyler Myers for a second consecutive year scored his first of the season on the uh, shorthanded. What are the odds? Right. Like the odds yeah. of that have to be infinitesimally small. Um, I've liked Bo Horvat. I think Bo Horvat has been excellent, and it's really too bad that they've wasted these Bo Horvat performances because he's looking like an absolute beast. And I li- I've liked Niels, Niels Hoaglander. I mean, he's looked like he belongs even when the Canucks aren't playing well as a team. Um, this guy cares, you know, like you can see, you can see it um, just in everything he does, just the body language, the, the work rate, the battles he's winning, the skill um, there's, you know, turnovers, there's nights where the puck dies on his stick. There's plays where that happens, but uh, you know, he looks like he belongs and he looks like he cares. I think that says a lot about a young player. Those are my positives. Those are my drancer positives. Be All more right. positive. They there said, you go. We, yes, Vancast exactly. has heard. <laughs> No, I'm with you. Like, <laughs> Hoaglander looks like he belongs. And that was my question. The training camp was great. And then we needed to see him in game action. And, you know, it's not all about the goals. It was great that he scored in his debut. But I've noticed him. There have been chances for him. He got pounded there on the sideboards on the rush. Uh, popped right back up last night. No worse for wear. Like, you know, I, I think he loves that. Like, to be in the battle and engaged that way. Maybe not getting steamrolled every time. But, uh yeah, he looks like he belongs, and uh, I'm with you on Schmidt. Was it the? I think it was the second Oiler game where, uh, you know, the Canucks obviously lost, but like his numbers were off the charts good. Yeah. Unfortunately, in a losing cause, but you can see, you can see, sort of. I think every night there have been moments where you see what he's going to bring over the long haul, and just uh, how active he is, and and getting up ice and doing Nate Schmidt things. So, yep. yeah, I'm with you there. And um, it, it, once once the lotto line starts churning, too, everything changes, right? Like, right now this team's ceiling is just a little bit caved in. <laughs> and and that means that, like, you know, if Schmidt is um, great upholstery and Hughes is the big screen TV bringing the whole room together, uh, it's hard to notice when it's still raining on your head. Um, but I still think that's true. Like, I still think they've played well. It's just, we'll notice it more once the goals are coming and once the sustained offensive pressure gives them more opportunities to, you know, use their feet, be active, make smart plays, do the signal calling things they can do. Because I I think they've been there. I I just don't think there's been enough of that, uh, you know, extra push that, that they'll need to really take advantage. But I've, I've liked their games. I've liked Schmidt. I've liked Hughes' games. And I think that extra oomph from the back end will matter once Vancouver's sort of top-line players begin to sort it out. Um, you know, they've got a big test, though, right? Like, Lotto Line's going to be playing against Philip Deneau this week, right? Like, they're going to be playing Deneau, Tatar, Gallagher. Uh, that That's probably the toughest checking line in this country, right? And no, not, I don't even think probably. That is the toughest assignment in this country. Um, in terms of a two-way line that's just, like, on top of you. Uh, man, like, try, to be sputtering and to have that test, you know, I, I've been saying we'll probably get a statement from Elias Pettersson at some point. Like, we better get it this week because otherwise, 
the storylines and the pressure are going to be absolutely deafening going into that Ottawa miniseries. The stakes are high. And I say that because I want to make sure that we keep the VIPs in the loop here as we go through the season. It's way too soon, obviously, to uh, have a, a you know an edge in our, our goal projections bet over the course of the season. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> when you're in the business of projecting goals, Tom, it's not great when uh, the last four goals the Canucks have scored, only one of the guys was among the 10 that we selected at the outset <laughs> of the season. <laughs> When yeah. You, well, know. so so where are we trending here? Like Horvat's got one, JT's got zero, but we're tied on it, so it doesn't really matter. Like the the nut of this is going to come down to Bo Horvat. He has one. Um, I need him to get twenty two more, right? So that's a lot. That's a fair bit. Uh, you're Adam Godet. You want twelve from Godet. I want nine. I feel like you're looking a little high. I'm feeling a little good about that one. Um, he could have had nine and himself. Then, he could have had nine in the first period. <laughs> in the first, it's true. He was flying. That was incredible. Yeah. Um, then I've got Sutter for seven. <laughs> um, <laughs> you've got it for nine, though. You've oh. got it for nine or oh, eight. Sorry, eight. you've got eight. it for eight. eight so <laughs> keep it and real. <laughs> Schmidt, Schmidt already has one, so that's good because that's the other one where we're widely disparate. You expect seven, I expect four. He's already got one. So like Tim Schaller in October. He's trending in your direction, bud. <laughs> yeah. No, a lot of it's going to hang on Horvat. I mean, that's the biggest difference. You have him 23 and I've got him at 17 and we'll see. Once uh, the power play gets going, though, I'll be fine. Like the chance that he had right off the hop last night. Yes. You know, the interior. He was, and he just looks. Yeah. The interior chance that opens up the moment Miller comes back. Right. Um, we laid these goal projections down before I realized that Miller would be gone. I might have honestly taken a couple off just because of how Horvat leans on that shot on the power play and, and how important that was to my bet. But that's the type of chance, like he's going to cash that in at a very high rate. Like that's like a 30% shot. That's like a three pointer. It's like an NBA three pointer shot in terms of the percentage he's going to convert it. I'm, I'm feeling good about Horvat and, and he looked skyward. He was frustrated. Markstrom made that read. I don't know that everyone else does. Uh, I'm not too worried about uh, uh, Bo, Bo Horvat. I think he's played like an absolute monster. Uh, even as the team is sputtered through four. I was glad to see that Miller pass, though, because when you look at the power play in the first three games without Miller, and Besser had been in that, you know, Ovechkin spot as a right shot one-timer, but it takes away that quick pass to the inside for Horvat. And the first three games, Bo Horvat had one power play shot on goal. And this is the guy that he had morphed into a power play ace last year. He was sixth in the league in power play goals with a dozen. And yeah. obviously led the Canucks in power play goals. And, and, you know, when you had Pedersen on one side and you had Miller on the other, uh, you got Hughes at the top. I mean, that stretches defenses and it opens up that soft spot in the middle. And the Canucks did a great job. And that was a huge part of their thrust on the power play last year. And so uh, even though he didn't score, I was just encouraged that really that was sort of the first power play play that they went to last night. It was sort of uh, healing in some ways that it was like, yeah, hey, I remember that play. It worked well for them. I was just glad to see it back. I've got a hot power play take for you, by the way. Should okay. Miller leave the lineup again? Should Miller leave the lineup again? I thought that was a question. I would move Besser. <laughs> I, I would move Besser down low. I would move Besser down low, and I'd play Pedersen on his downhill side. So on that on that um, uh, right circle that but Besser usually plays on, and I'd move I'd move Jake onto his downhill side on that right circle. Um, I, I thought he looked really good last night on PP two. Yeah, look, we've seen the Canucks have swapped their 
handedness last year. Like that was part of the, I think that was part of the success yeah. was he keep defenses guessing sure and, and the versatility. So yeah, like I, I still, I think Brock Besser is a really good player. I don't know that I think of him as a playmaker. And so I'm still trying to figure out yeah. where you can best utilize him on the power play because we've talked about the fact last year that there wasn't a whole lot of power play production. He's got a spot back on PP1, but I still am unclear in my own mind. And it seems like the Canucks are a little bit too, you know, where to best utilize this guy and the skill set that he has. But I'd have no problem. I think it's pretty clear that teams are latching on to Pedersen's one time bomb. Like we just, that's another area. Like we just haven't seen it because it, I don't think it's there an awful lot. And if that's the case, I mean, look, Ovechkin's made a career of everybody knows it's coming and he still has success. So I, I hope there are times that Elias Pettersson can launch that thing, but we haven't seen much of it. And if it means swapping him around a little bit and just giving him some different looks, uh, I, hey, I'm all for it. Yep, likewise. Uh, they'll be better. They'll be fine. And Miller being back as the initiator opens up everything for everybody. Um, I think we'll see that. Uh, probably pay dividends, maybe against Montreal, although, man, that team can kill penalties. Like, this is, I, I think Montreal is the worst matchup for the Canucks in Canada, so it's tough to have, you know, dropped three in a row going into the series because I think the Canucks are in for an absolute dogfight this week. I thought, like, David had sort of announced his arrival with that game against the Canucks, and then the Habs just threw a blanket over him for two straight. Like, he wasn't heard from at all, and and big part of that was, <laughs> I think Montreal killed off all 10 Edmonton power plays in the two games. So, yeah. you're right. Like, I, I, the you know, in general, I think it's a tough matchup, but just sort of the way that these two teams are going right now and their issues uh, and the, the areas that, you know, the Canucks need to be better— I don't know that Montreal is the opponent that they want to see. And, you know, in normal times, it's a one-off, and then you move on to somebody else. You know, three in a row against Montreal. How, how, Yikes. how good is my Montreal second-best team in Canada take look in a weekend, eh? But but it's almost looking too good, and now I'm not buying the hype. You know what I mean? Like, um, I, I'm reading tweets from, you know, Jay Barakel and, and my colleague uh, Arpon Basu, and I'm just like... This team's good, but they're not they're not that good. <laughs> like my my like whole perspective is flipped on it now. I've been boosting the Habs all summer and now we're into the season. They're looking good. They're looking like what I expected them to look like, but the way everyone else is reacting to them, I'm like, nah. <laughs> no. They're 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 competent. My like, my they're, kid, they're competent. I, I would go a little better than competent. When I look at Montreal, I see a really deep team without a true game breaker. And I just wonder in tight games, if that may come back to bite them, if they're yeah. biggest game breakers in goal, like, and, and they hope that, you they're, know, with Jake Allen, that Carey Price's workload, they'll find the sweet spot there and that they can kind of get old, tiny Carey totally. Price. But I just, I wonder, like, if you get into all these tight games that we're used to seeing, you know, and the Leafs have Austin Matthews and Marner and, and Tavares and those types yeah. of games. Like, I, I just, I look at Montreal and I think they're probably deeper than a lot of teams in this division, but I don't know that there's that one guy that's absolutely going to bust games wide open <laughs> on his own. Here's what they are. They're, they're low end, a low end version of Philadelphia last season. Yeah. No. <laughs> you know, yeah. like that's what they are. And that's, and that's like, you know, the 13th best team in hockey, right? Um, but let's not get it confused. They're the 13th best team in hockey. And if Suzuki takes the set depth, I expect maybe they get into the top 10. But this is not, you know, this is not a, a dynasty rising, in my view. 
um, unless Kakanyemi significantly outperforms my priors. But but I do think they're the worst matchup for the Canucks in this country. And I think the Canucks are going to have to be on their game. And not just not just the power play, not just Pedersen, but on their game in terms of being disciplined and focused and avoiding you know, some of the some of the mistakes that caused them to kick themselves in the foot. All right. I had my moment on Canuck Zoom. You had one yourself late last week, too. <laughs> I did. I, had I, I hope this doesn't become a, a recurring feature on the pod this week in no, Zoom. No, me neither. But <laughs> I did not have... Well, okay. I, I know you wanted to... <laughs> I did not have my finest moment no. technologically. Well, my favorite... No, so they come to you, J-Pat, and I guess you were trying a new mic. Is that right? Honestly, Tom, I don't know what happened. I, 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 they came to me. I clicked unmute my mic. I started talking, and there was nothing there. Uh, it, I, I think it, I'm blaming it on Monday. It was a Monday. It, it's, yeah, I know it's 2021. It was, it's not 2020 anymore. I would have blamed it on 2020. It was a Monday that's thing. very Garfield. My computer. That's very Garfield yes, of you. My computer just, <laughs> it wasn't agreeing. Whatever the case, there's nowhere to hide when that happens. And so uh, I looked and felt stupid because uh, I wasn't able to complete my part of a simple Zoom conversation with the head coach. Is it, uh, <laughs> Uh, J-Pad on Zooms is like a lasagna cat. <laughs> he hates Mondays. Um, <laughs> and then, and then, so my favorite part of this though was they come back. Uh, the they come back to you a second time, but before they do that, uh, the host of the call. Um, you know, it's not the usual Connects PR staff, I, I believe. So I'm not going to say who I thought it was, just in case I'm wrong. But they say um, J-Pat's mic is dead. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved that. I loved that your nickname got used. That made me so that brought me so much joy. And so then they come back to you. They come back to you a second time and your mic doesn't work again. And I've asked Travis the last question. So my mute button has not been pressed. And and Travis Travis like looks up, does that like coy look up thing and just is like you there, J-Pat? <laughs> and I just start laughing. I do my ta- cackle and it punctuates the availability. Um, but that's not as bad as, you know, the week. So over the weekend, I asked for an update on Pearson and Edler's status. And, you know, my puppy is being a little demon dog, which happens on a, on occasion. He's he's Come the best. On, but, you know, he's a puppy. He's a puppy. All right. Uh, yes. He's a puppy. Sometimes Fair he's enough. chewing, you know, like. So I give him a little ball and I send him on his way. Now, look, I'm working from home, right? My, I mean, I don't have a ton of space. And so he's just going ham on his squeaky toy, like, ee, 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 ee. and Travis is giving me an update on Pearson and Edler. And the squeak is just apparently, uh, apparently enough that Ben Kuzma had to interject and say like, oh, I couldn't hear and re-ask the question. <laughs> <laughs> could you hear it though? I, yeah, absolutely. I, I thought maybe you could hear Travis's answer. Oh no! Yeah, I could hear everything. I heard the answer, but I also heard the squeak. Heard the squeaky toy. I thought it was maybe your niece or nephew or somebody that was over, but I guess you can't have guests in uh, COVID times. No. So in my head, no. it sounded like a. I didn't think of it being because I thought Wallace was an angel dog, so I didn't think of it. I mean, Wally jumping. Dog, but anyways, yes, I heard it all. Yeah, he is. He just he has his moments. Like he has very few. Ninety-five uh, percent of the time, he's my little angel pied teddy bear, and and five percent of the time, he's a wild badger who lives in my home. Like it is what it is. He's a puppy. Um, but the but yeah no. So look, Zoom's hard these days, right? We're all working from home when the team is on the road. Tell me about it. Some of us, 
Some of us don't have a ton of space. <laughs> some of us don't have a ton of space. Some of us have life commitments. Sometimes it's going to get a little odd. We need to be patient with one another. So, Coos, I'm watching you. I'm just saying, I'm watching you. You better, you, you better make sure your Zoom line's clean, or I'm re-asking the question. I, uh, I put my, <laughs> I put my laptop in the penalty box after the game last night. I, I zoomed on my phone. See, like now I'm gun shy because I have no idea. I thought, like, I, I've used the laptop to do zooms all through training camp. Everything's been fine. I have no idea what happened, but uh, it fucked up on me. And anyways, I was gun shy, so I, I just, I used the phone uh, post game and, and was able to get I back. The, I got I my used the Zoom app. Yeah, no. I use the Zoom app on my iPhone. I don't really do the uh, laptop. Um, that allows me to use my laptop to tweet. And uh, and yesterday, yesterday I was actually out for a walk. Like, game ended, I wanted to take the pup for a walk. So I went for a walk, and I listened into the Zoom. I didn't ask questions because I didn't want to, like, have a bus go by. And Ben <laughs> Kuzma would be like, oh, man, there's some heavy construction work going on. Can, uh, can I ask you the same question? But... Um, but so I just listened in, but I listened in on my headphones while I was walking my pop. It was good. My favorite Zoom moment of the week, and again, I don't think this will become a, a regular thing, but uh, <laughs> was was the pregame one for game two against Edmonton when there weren't many of us on there, and they came back to oh. you. <laughs> and but I was not ready. Right, and, and, and <laughs> so y- y- you said, like, oh, I've already, I've already gone, but I'm happy to go again, to which Travis Green subtly mumbles, I'm not. <laughs> Well, and then I, and then I stuttered through my question, right? And he like, uh, and he, I changed my question midway. He challenged me on it. So I changed my question. I just threw it aside. It was like a very much, um, like, uh, an antagonistic Q and A. And then, and then it ends. And my wife, because again, I'm working from home. She's sitting right there. She looks up from her laptop and this is just absolutely brutal. She looks up from her laptop and she goes, you do that for a living? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I was so mad. I was so mad. Hey, we got to finish on (laughs) this one because over the course of this pod, Van cast, not this one today, but over the course of uh, our history doing the podcast, you know, at times we've done the old something or nothing. Uh, Did you see this last night? I, I don't know if it was late in the game or just after the game, but... Sven Berchi, who hasn't tweeted since before Christmas, drops he's three tweets since last summer. Mm-hmm. And Sven drops in this, excited for year four of the Sven Scores for Heroes program, where he donates money for every goal he scores this year. And it just, it felt like, you know, here's this guy that's in limbo again with the hockey. The timing, more than anything, just seemed like <laughs> they've lost three in a row. Uh, they can't score right now. And here's Sven, who doesn't take to Twitter often, and he just kind of lofts that one up there. I don't know. Something or nothing. So good. No, nothing. But but amazing. I love that you connected those dots. Like, the, the, the something there is that you're uh, you're an evil genius. Uh, the nothing there is I don't think Sven meant anything by it. I tend to agree that it was just the timing more than anything of dropping it on a, <laughs> so on a Monday good. night. And, and I love, the, like, the, they've got a little cartoon graphic of him wearing a Canucks jersey still. So he's he's raised money over the years with this program. And whether it's in Vancouver or Utica, uh, I'm sure he'll certainly live up to his end of the bargain. And uh, I'm sure he just wants to start playing again because uh, he, yeah. and, like, but it's him and it's Travis Grayevac and... There's a couple of... Poland. Yeah, like they're in limbo, right? Like they just... I think they're still in Vancouver. Like they haven't been assigned because Utica's not up and running. For another day or two, yeah. Yeah. I I would imagine we maybe get some news on that uh, at some point this week. 
All right, let me finish with this theory too, because lots of people talking about lineup changes. Again, the point is that the best players have to be the best players. And if that doesn't change, not a whole lot's going to change. You can change around the periphery. But I wonder, there's nothing that says Ole Alevi has to play every single night this year. No. And now that the Canucks are at home where they can dictate lineup or line matchups and you know control how they shelter uh, their young defensemen, three games in four nights, it's going to be four and six again. I mean, that's going to be on the regular throughout the season. What about taking Ole Levy out for a night somewhere along the line here? Giving Jalen Chatfield his opportunity to finally debut in the National Hockey League. You could slide Schmidt to the left side, play with Myers. Edler drops down as a third pairing, third pairing left side guy to sort of be the mentor, the grandfather, if you will. And Levy watches for a night, and Jalen Chatfield finally breaks through and gets that first game in the NHL. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here for that. And I'm also here for that if they want to do it with Rathbone or with Rafferty. And, and here's why. The Canucks have, very, like, on the road with no ability to dictate matchups, the Canucks successfully carved out, um, you know, some, some pretty soft minutes. Like, it's like a nice sheltered role for Oleo Levy to play. Now they'll be able to shelter even more at home. And if you're going to work that hard, if you're going to work the matchups that hard for the benefit of a third pair guy, like, I'd like to see a little more offensive bottom line. And I wonder if Rafferty and Rathbone can maybe give you that. Uh, I don't think you're going to install them on a power play unit. So it kind of minimizes the possible impact of that. Uh, certainly if Schmidt or Hughes were to were to leave the lineup for any reason, I think this would become a more pressing need. But, you know, I do sort of look at this and wonder, like, would the Canucks be better off having someone who maybe is a bigger threat to add to the offensive attack? if they're going to play a guy on a third pair in, in pretty sheltered minutes, uh, disguised from top six competition with this level of discipline. Well, let's see what this uh, three-game set against the Montreal Canadiens brings. If you're looking for other pod options, Little Joe, Joe Pavelski, the Dallas Stars, joins Scott Burnside and Pierre Lebrun on the two-man advantage pod on the Athletic Hockey Show. Uh, it's on Wednesday of this week, so you can look for that one. And a reminder to check out our comments section for each podcast episode at the Athletic app. Rate and subscribe to VanCast on Apple. And if you're not already a subscriber, go to theathletic.com slash VanCast and receive a subscription for just $3.99 per month. Uh, an eventful couple of days. Again, we had people wondering, where was the Monday pod? Just a reminder that uh, now that hockey's back, we try to avoid game days wherever possible just to give uh, these shows as much shelf life as possible. So we record on a Tuesday. Uh, nothing as far as game action will change that until Wednesday night. So we'll probably go Friday at uh, the tail end of this week after the first two in this Montreal set. Is that, I think that's the plan, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's how we'll do it. All right. You go take your dog for a walk. I will. Don't get hit by a bus. I, I will not. Good. <laughs> All right. Hey, I, will, I won't. I, I can promise you that. I will see you at the rink. Yeah, let's go. I'm night. excited, man. Yeah. Should be fun. Absolutely. I'm, I'm curious to see what it sounds like. <laughs> you know, I'm the one that's curious. You have a sense of what it sounds uh, like. I'm, I'm, but I know what it sounds like in Edmonton. I don't know All what right. it sounds like where we're at. So, I'm look, it'll be fun. It'll be our first time in uh, watching NHL action at Rogers Arena since March 10th. Yes. 2020. Um, that is wild. That is wild to think, considering the way we've lived, you know, our lives. Uh, so, should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it, man. Fun. There's a word that's been in short supply the last couple of nights, so let's see what happens here. Canucks of Montreal, 
uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday, and we'll uh, be back later in the week to recap uh, the first couple uh, in this three-game set. For Drancer, it's Jay Pat. As always, thanks so much for your support. You're listening to the Vancast here at The Athletic and theathletic.com.